All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. morning everybody welcome back to another episode of dropping the gloves thank you for joining us tim's standing up he's bobbing and weaving he was so excited you guys i don't know if we talked about this he got a brand new desk and now he can stand up when he wants to and this is the first time i've seen him standing up and he's happy he's nimble he got his new skates maybe he's maybe this is the strength exercise i don't know but tim how are you I'm good. Yeah. Standing desk is great. A lot more room. Do I can just stretch and do a little, what do you call them? The butterfly raises, whatever the calf raises, just do stuff all day long while I'm working out while I'm working. It's great. <laughs> I'm burning calories right now while we record. Uh, I believe it. I, I believe it. Anyways, there was some news. The, the, the big domino, Tim, this off season, last off season, last season, for a while now has been star defenseman Norris trophy winner Eric Carlson. I've said it all along. I don't think this guy is going to get traded. Mike Greer was asking for three first rounders. He wanted everybody's firstborn child for Eric Carlson. He will change your team. He's a transformative defenseman. One once in a lifetime, Eric Carlson. And he was at one point in his career. Now he's aged. I think he's 33, 34. What are you, what are you smirking for? He just had 100 points. Is he still not a once-in-a-lifetime defenseman? No, I don't, I don't think so. Don't you think he, he just was. had his best season? You, you would consider last year his best season? That says a lot about you as a hockey analyst. I'm just saying that's what the numbers say. The numbers lie. Okay. And we, we can get into this. He got traded first and foremost. Tim, can you give everybody? I'm sure everybody knows by now, but if you don't, give us the logistics, the exact of who got what in this three team t- trade. It was San Jose, it was Pittsburgh, and they needed a third team to make the money work. Enter the Montreal Canadiens. Who went where? What 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 happened? Okay, to the Penguins. Eric Carlson, San Jose's third round pick in 2026. Dylan Hamaluk and Rem Pitlick. To the Canadians, Jeff Petrie returns to the halves, Casey DeSmith, the goalie, Nathan Laguerre, and Pittsburgh 2025 second round pick. To the Sharks, Pittsburgh's 2024 first round pick, Mikhail Granlund, Mike Hoffman, and Jan Ruda, the defenseman. So initial reactions, what are people saying? And then we'll get into our 
critiques on this? Because I have my feelings. We've been talking about this for quite a while. But what are the reactions on Twitter, Tim? That's what everybody wants to know. That's what I like to see. What are the reactions? And by the way, what do you think of Twitter's new logo? Are you a fan? No, that's stupid. The whole thing's just stupid. Isn't it dumb? I don't know. I'm an Elon Musk fan. I like what he does. I like the cut of his jib. I don't understand the X. I don't understand him changing the logo. I do, I just, I think it's too much. I think just keep the bird. Anyways, what are people saying, Tim? Okay, the main thing was that Pittsburgh won. That's what people are saying. They're saying that they added the best player in the deal and did all these other things. We'll get into it. That the Sharks lost. That they shouldn't. Have, they should have gotten more for Eric Carlson. And the Canadians, not. It's kind of split, but the, it's a plus that they got rid of Hoffman, which they considered an unmovable contract. But the big picture is, uh, according to online, that Penguins win, Sharks lose big time. Well, let's look at a team by team breakdown. I think as a whole, everybody, everybody wins a little bit as a whole, which it should be in a trade of this magnitude. This is there's a lot of money moving around. There's a lot of good players moving around. Everybody should come out feeling like they won. And I think every GM can go to their fan base, can go to their owner and president and say, hey, this was a win for us. This is why. And I, that's good. Let's start with the San Jose Sharks. I think at the start of this process, Mike Greer, new GM, coming into a very tough situation, taking over for Doug Wilson, who had been with the team since its inception. That's all they'd ever known. Doug Wilson steps aside. Everybody loved him. Whitest teeth in the game. Beautiful human. Mike Greer steps into a terrible situation. Doug Wilson left him so many bad contracts, failed expectations. Now what? You have Burns, you have Carlson, you have Vlasic, you have all these terrible contracts on the back end. Your forward groups is aging. No real good young prospects except for Timo Meyer, Thomas Hurdle. That's it. The cupboards were bare. The prospect system was bleak. They traded away everybody, every trade deadline to try to push for the Stanley Cup. They didn't win it. That's where he was. That's what he was given. What does he do? He's trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. He's trying to make uh, make lemonades with a pile of lemons he was given. I don't think he did that bad, this trade. I think he he hoped for the best. He went out publicly, said, oh, we, we want this. Eric Carlson is a primetime defenseman. He tried to pump him up to everybody. Nobody bought. Nobody took the bait. And you're worth what people are going to give you. And so he went to market. He talked to all the teams who needed a, a premier defenseman who can move the puck like Eric Carlson. And there wasn't many suitors, Tim. There really wasn't, especially when there's other puck moving defensemen out there who you can get for cheap. And the thing with Carlson, we've talked about it for years. He's locked in four more years at eleven and a half million dollars. That's that's the main reason he wasn't traded. Let's be honest. So he, he scanned the field and the only suitor was the Pittsburgh Penguins. And luckily, they had a new GM who had to shake things up. He wanted to put his stamp on the team, and he really liked Eric Carlson. And so the main win for San Jose, I know they took on a bad contract in Hoffman. I know they took down a, on a bigger contract in Ruta. People are upset about that. They get Grandlin, who's a bigger contract. They have to give a, take in all these bad contracts. The difference is you can trade Mike Hoffman at the deadline. He's a valuable piece. Someone's going to give up a second rounder for that guy, this, this trade deadline. You mark my words. You can trade a Granlin. I know he's got, what, $5 million left next year. He's a valuable piece come trade deadline. He's a good, serviceable second-line sentiment. You can trade these pieces. You can't trade an Eric Carlson at the deadline. $10 million with three years remaining after this season on his deal. That's untradeable. So the big win for San Jose now is 
You gain some assets, you gain some NHL players who can round out the forward group, which was bad last year, and you get rid of Eric Carlson. That's the big win. I said it all along. You're going to have to package Eric Carlson with the first rounder to get out from under his contract. They did not have to do that. You give up Eric Carlson, you get a couple bad contracts back, and you only have to eat $1.5 million for the next four years. That's a huge win. Nobody talks about they had to eat $2.72 million of Brent Burns' contract. Nobody mentions that. They're eating more from Burnsy than they are from Carlson, and Carlson has a way worse contract than Burnsy's ever did. So I like this deal for Mike Greer. He did what he had to do. Yes, it stings. You lose a 100-point defenseman. I get it. You gain that flexibility in two years, and it makes your team so much better. Now, if they can just... Find a suitor for Mark Edward Vlasic, which I don't think they will. Everything would be great. But at the end of the day, when you look at the San Jose Sharks and you go, okay, where is this team going to be in two, three years? They're in a better situation than they were yesterday. Yesterday, they had an albatross of a contract. They had no direction. Nobody knew what to do with this team. Are they contender? Are they not? Now they have a direction. They're in full-blown rebuild. They'll be competitive somewhat this year. They have some pieces at the deadline they can jettison and get some prospects, get some draft picks for, and we move forward. And Mike Greer just checked that box. He's got to be so happy that he doesn't have to deal with Eric Carlson anymore and all the rumors and everything that goes along with it, and him just just not playing defense. I'm not even, I don't want to even want to get it on ice stuff because it's just it's a whole other thing. What do you think of his good deal for Mike Greer, Tim? I think pretty good. You got a few tweets over the weekend last night about <clears> – <throat> How how often in early you were saying that Greer would have to give up things in order to get Carlson. So the fact that he didn't get a huge return, but didn't have to really give up much to get rid of Carlson's contract. And even the, the quote unquote bad contracts that are coming back the other way are a they're quote they're tradable, like you said. But even if they're not, Hoffman comes off the books this year, Ruda next year, and um Grandland Grand next, next year. year. Yeah. So like these are not the same long term. Like this this fl- opens up a lot of exciting possibilities for the team that wasn't going to compete anyway. So getting rid of Carlson without having to like get rid of anything really valuable in your end, I feel like it's probably a win for the Sharks. Oh, it's a huge win. They pick up a first rounder for Pittsburgh, which will be middle of the road. I think Pittsburgh will be a bubble team. I don't think they're going to be the top tier of the Eastern Conference, but they'll be there. They'll probably make the playoffs based on what's happened in the Eastern Conference this offseason. But yeah. It's a big win for Mike Greer. I know he's getting lambasted. He didn't get anything for Eric Carlson. Nobody was going to give him anything, you guys, for it. I think people could just get distracted by the 100 points in the Norris Trophy Championship and assume he should get everything in the world for this guy. Carlson's a bad defenseman. Let's just call a spade a spade. That's what he is. He's a glorified forward playing on the back end. All right, moving on. Montreal Canadiens. Now, why were they included in this deal? You had to make the money work. You had to get players from Pittsburgh off their books in order for them to absorb Eric Carlson's $10 million contract. That's the only reason why they're there. And what do they get out of the deal? They get out from Mike Hoffman. They get out from all these other players that they didn't want. And they're a little bit happier. I, I don't think they improved. I don't think they got work worse. They're just kind of there being the middleman. They they picked up a draft pick, Tim. So it is what it is. Yeah. They get a second round pick. They move some money around. It is what it is. They get rid of Mike Hoffman, who absolutely they hated Mike Hoffman. Let's be honest. Hoffman didn't want to be there. They didn't want Hoffman there. So they get rid of him. And that's why they're there. They're, they're the money people. They exchange money. It is what it is. Moving on to the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
I, <laughs> I thought about this quite a bit because I want to rip Kyle Dubas for making this move. But I also want to applaud him because he took an aging team with no direction coming off a missed playoffs last year for the first time in however many decades. It's been a long time since the Penguins haven't made the playoffs. And he takes his team and he gets arguably the most skilled defenseman that we've seen in the NHL in the last 20, 25 years in Eric Carlson. That's great. He gets rid of Petrie. He gets rid of DeSmith. He gets rid of Ruta. He gets rid of Grandlin. All terrible contracts, all players over the age of 30. And he gets Eric Carlson. They get younger somehow getting Eric Carlson, if that's possible. But, and there's a but. You got three more years after this season of Eric Carlson. You have four years at $10 million. That's the big issue. And I'm going I'm to wrap this up in a little bit. But right now, I think Pittsburgh wins this trade as a whole. This season, I think Dubas wins this trade. Two, three, four years from now, I think he's a massive loser. But this season, I think he wins this trade. I think Carlson will fit in well with that team. So it was. it's an amazing trade by Kyle Dubas. To get rid of all those other players, it's pretty impressive what he did. What do you think of Pittsburgh's Hall, Tim? Yeah, most of those other players were bad contracts set up by the previous GM as well. So kind of shedding some of the fat and bringing in a defenseman of his caliber. And like you said, I don't think he would say in the same terms as you did, but he knows that this could hurt them down the line. Two, three, four years from now, this doesn't look good. But for next year, while Crosby's still like an elite-level playmaker, and they they were one point away from the playoffs last year. One point. So adding Carlson, I don't know if this makes him like an upper echelon contender, but you got you to gotta expect them to make the playoffs this year. And yeah, I think it's a pretty good deal for them. The question is, what is this going to look like two, three years from now? Yeah, Dubas doesn't, tr- doesn't care. And it gets me to my second point. And we talked about this before the show. Let's let's talk about the Tom Wilson signing because I'm going to wrap these two up together and we'll, t- we'll talk about this and being loyal and if it's worth it. So Tom Wilson signs a seven-year, $6.5 million deal with the Washington Capitals to, to take him into the sunset. This is the team he started with. This is the team he won a Stanley Cup with. This is the team that he will finish with barring a trade. He's got a no-move clause, so we'll see if that happens. He's 29 years old. The contract kicks in next year when he's 30. He will be 37 years old when this contract runs its course. What do you think of this deal? Six and a half for Tom Wilson for seven years. Coming off of two, or I'll give him one, injury stunted season where he only played 33 games, put up 22 points. Were you shocked by this deal? I kind of was, uh, and I'm a Tom Wilson fan. I really like his game. He's one of those guys like Marsham where everyone hates him, but if he was on your team, you'd have his jersey. You know, he's just, he's that player. And so I really do like him, but this is a bit of a head scratcher. The Capitals have been on a pretty steady decline for feels like three years now. And it's only going to get worse. The players are getting older. And I had a buddy text me um, when this deal went through and he's like, is this only because of Ovechkin that they're doing this? It, do they sign this deal if Ovechkin isn't chasing Gretzky's record? If that's not in sight, because this feels different from Pittsburgh, where at least they, they think their window is still open. I don't think the Capitals are making that case. It feels more just like a an emotional, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like a hockey move. Like, what, what do you get by bringing Tom Wilson in for the next seven years? You're you're about to go into a rebuild. I don't, I don't really understand that. Not about to. You are in a rebuild if you're the Washington Capitals. You are not a playoff caliber team. 
You didn't bring anybody new this offseason. There's no exciting young prospects that's going to make the jump to the Washington Capitals and all of a sudden transform your team into a a valid playoff-worthy team, a la Connor Bedard or something like that. You are a rebuilding team. And for some reason, and I don't understand it, Brian McLennan refuses to do that. He refuses just to press reset. And I think you nailed it. It's because of Alex Ovechkin. They feel like they owe him something. He won the Stanley Cup. He is the the captain of the team, the goal scorer, the the Russian juggernaut. What do they call him? The Russian whatever. No, that was Pavel Bure. He's got a name there. The machine. I don't know what it is, but out of sheer loyalty, do they seem to be trying to surround this guy with a people he likes? Because, you know, he likes Tom Wilson. They get along. They played together for the last decade and players who can help him beat Wayne Gretzky. I don't understand this loyalty aspect of hockey. It's nice. It's got a good sentimental value to it. But in what world does it make sense if you're the Washington Capitals to sign Tom Wilson to a seven-year, $6.5 million contract when you don't have to? You have all season to negotiate. You have all next offseason to negotiate. What happens, and it will happen this year, if you're a bottom-tier team, there goes your leverage to trade Tom Wilson at the deadline. This guy could have been a primo asset. You could have ditched him for a first-rounder, some young prospects, and moved away from him and started to shift yourself into a rebuild mode. But it's impossible now. You could have traded Backstrom. You could have traded Oshie. Both of their contracts are going to be up after next season. But now you're, you're locked in. You have a 30-year-old forward who all he does is bang. He damages his body. He fights for this team. And he puts up some points now and then. Do you think he's going to wear well? By the time he's 32, 33, he's going to be a shell of his former self. I, I, I think of the likes of Cam Neely, Milan Lucic. Luch, these, types, yeah. these types of players who just, they go from a high and then they're done. There's no gradual drop off there, Tim. It goes from we're competitive, we're a worthy player, we're really valuable, and then we stink. Not stink, but we're not the same player. We're not worth six and a half million dollars. We go from a second line guy who's up in the play, who can bang and separate the man from the puck. We can get in front of the net. We go from that to a fourth line fighter. And then do you really want to be paying your fourth line fighter six and a half million dollars? Luch has embraced it. He knows he's not the same guy anymore. So he's fine. I'll take a mil, two mil, and play in the fourth line. That's fine with me. Not paying him six and a half million dollars. But for whatever reason, the Washington Capitals feel like Tom Wilson is this huge asset that they have to keep, and they give him six and a half million dollars for seven years. They have just, I can't wrap my head around it. I, I really don't understand it. Washington is a bad hockey team. They were at one point a good hockey team, 2013 to 2018. That was their window. They were fun to watch. They were exciting. Ovechkin was buzzing up and down the ice. Kuznetsov was there. Backstrom was there. They were entertaining. They're not anymore. It's not, Tim. They're actually worse than I thought. Uh, they're a bottom 10 team. I'm looking at the standings from last year. They're behind Detroit, behind St. Louis, behind Vancouver, behind Ottawa. And, and they're going to get worse. worse. Kuznetsov doesn't want to be there. He's already said that he wants to be traded. He he obviously has some issues in Washington. He's going to be gone or else he's going to be a shell of his former self, which is already diminished because he's not he's not um, passionate about the game anymore. You bring back Tom Wilson, who's coming off for an injured riddled season. Al Trovetskin is there to score goals. That's all he wants to do. 
gone are the days when he's going to have highlight reel hits and he's going to be on the back check and he's going to be all over the ice and it's just, oh, he's nailing everybody. He's going to post up on the power play and he wants to score goals. He wants to break Gretzky's record. TJ Osey loved the guy. Same issue as Tom Wilson. He destroys his body. He's not, he's not the same guy he was. Nicholas Backstrom, I feel bad for him. He's coming off major injury issues. Yeah, this, this, whatever. Good. They made their bed, let them sleep in it. This team is done for the foreseeable future. And let's go back to the Pittsburgh Penguins, how I wanted to connect these two together. Loyalty. How much loyalty as a GM and a president, Tim, do you owe to players? You see this, you saw it last year with the Penguins. Malkin and the Tang, their contracts were up. What did I say they should do? They should walk. They doubled down. They re-signed both of them to three-year deals. Now what do they do? Do you think they're going to win the Stanley Cup? Honestly, Tim, do you think Pittsburgh has enough in the cupboard to win a Stanley Cup this year? No. No. So what? where does that put them? Kyle Dubas brings in Carlson for four years at $10 million. You have Crosby, two years, 8.7. Malkin at 6.1 for three years. You got Latang 6.1 for five years. All of these guys are almost all over 35. You add in Brian Rust, you had add in Ricard Raquel, you add in Riley Smith, who you added, you add in Jeff Carter, who's 38, Lars Eller, who's 34, Noel Achari, who you brought in, who's 31. All these guys are past their prime. And they're all signed for multiple years. At what point do you have to just throw loyalty out the window and say, we're in the business of winning? Stanley Cups, not winning games and just trying to make the show. Pittsburgh Penguin, that organization, the Penguins, excuse me, they win Stanley Cups. They don't just show up. This is a franchise that's had Ronnie Francis, Mario Lemieux, Yarmer Yager. These guys win Stanley Cups. Sidney Crosby. This isn't a franchise that's used to just showing up. Oh, well, we'll seventh or eighth seed will be knocked out. No. We're here to win rings, baby. We're here to put banners in the rafters. You have now got Eric Carlson and Crosby and Malkin and Latang, and you've just mortgaged your whole future. Not just for two, three years. I'm talking close to a decade. This team is going to be just struggling. Maybe they have a good year this year and they make it to the second round. Is that worth 10 years of failure and futility and just like just junk? No. And this is why I think I'd be a bad GM because I would be fired after three, four years because I wouldn't mortgage my future to improve my present for a few, for a few extra wins. And that's what G, that's what these GMs do. Dubas has a 10 year deal. He gets it. He's there for the long haul, but it's going to be a miserable 10 years because he's going to have this one year. And after that, Tim, they're going to suck. I'm sorry. They will. And they're going to be a bubble team this year. I, I just don't understand it. So what's what's Dubas's logic? What do you think he's saying behind closed doors? Not to the press, but what, what's what's he thinking with this trade? Well, it's the loyalty deal. He he met with Sidney Crosby because Crosby had to okay anybody who was hired. I, I would firmly believe that. So he met with Sidney Crosby and he said, what's, what's your plan? How is this team going to move forward? And Dubas said, you know what? We're going to put people around you. We're going to go out. We're going to get some talent. We're going to get younger. We're going to have some speed for you. We, we want to maximize you. We still think we're, you're one of the premier players in this league. And he goes out and gets Eric Carlson. And he goes up and he he trades for some guys, who, some experience, some Lars Eller, some Noel Chari to round out their bottom six. That's it. It's just, 
brings in Ryan Graves on the back end because their defense was an issue. They get rid of DeSmith. They got Tristan Jarry. You bring in Nadelkovich. It, it's not enough. I'm sorry. I love the trade for Kyle Dubas. He got rid of some bad players and bad contracts, but you bring in the worst Albatross contract in the NHL. It is what it is. We'll see how it pans out, but I, I just don't see them even making the playoffs this year. As sad as it seems. But that that's what loyalty gets you. That's why I, I, I hate the Patriots. Diehard Bills fan. Bilicek does it the right way. He really does. He has no allegiance to any player. If you're worth something for me, if you're valuable, I will keep you on the team. If you're not, take care, comb your hair. There, there's no room for allegiance and loyalty in sports. I, I, I'm sorry. It's fun. You you want to... You want to paint that picture of we're all a family and everybody's in this together and we're going to have your back if things go south. I don't I don't prescribe to that. If you start to play bad, you're gone. If I can have a crystal ball and I can see you, your performance dips, you're gone. I'm okay with that. I don't think a team owes a player anything. I don't think a player owes a team anything other than your full 100% just effort every single day. And the team can cut bait. They pay you millions of dollars. No allegiance. It, last year, when Malkin said, oh, you're negotiating with the Tang. That hurts my feelings. I would have said, kick rocks, you big baby. Beat it, nerd. I don't want a guy on my team who's going to be upset and get their feelings hurt because I'm negotiating with another player. And you don't feel important enough because I, I didn't call you first. This is a family-friendly show because like, I can't say what I really want to say. Just go away then. You massive crybaby, Malkin. Honestly, you're a 37-year-old man. And you got your feelings hurt because they called Chris Letang first? Isn't that a, doesn't it embarrass you, Tim, to hear that? It did. We covered it at the time. <sighs> what? Okay. Last question on this for me. Who finishes higher in the standings next year? Pittsburgh or well, Boston? Pittsburgh. Wa- Washington will be a lottery team no, next year. Boston. Pittsburgh or Boston? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Boston. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Pittsburgh will be higher in the standings in Boston. That's that's a no-brainer. Wait, so <laughs> who finishes higher? Oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Washington will be a lottery team. That's my prediction. They'll be bottom four in the league. They'll be Good with fun. Arizona and San Jose. Arizona at least frogs them. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on. Speaking of Arizona, good segue, Tim. You're killing it today. Dumba, Matthew Dumba, formerly of, the formerly of the Minnesota Wild, has finally signed with a team. Very strange situation. This guy was the best defenseman coming in to the free agency period. And he signs a one-year, $4 million deal with the Arizona Coyotes. Surprised him? What, what would you take on it? Very surprised. He was the best defenseman on the market, even at the beginning of free agency, as far as I can remember, um, for free agents. And so it's weird that he would sign. Okay, so you think the market's not there. He's not getting the deal he wants. Usually they'll do one of two things. They'll take the long-term deal for a team that they're not thrilled about, but they're going to get paid. So if he has signed like six years at six million or something like with Arizona, it's like, okay, he's in it for the money. He's not trying to win. Or if he's saying, I'll sign a one-year deal, bet on myself, and go like Klingberg did with Anaheim last year. Try to like think, and I'm going to play with some young, talented players. Maybe I'll boost my offense and get traded at the deadline and, and make a bigger deal next year. But Arizona, it, was the market just not there for him? Like, What do you think was going on with this, with this deal? It must have not been. He, he took a, a, a hit. He made $6 million last year. So he signed for 3.9 in one year with the Arizona Coyotes. 
And he had a good year last year. You know, he, he's never been one to put up points. He has put up 50 at one point in his career, but he's good around 20, 25. That's his, that's his wheelhouse. The thing Matt Dumba does so well is he's a defenseman. He defends. He keeps the puck out of the net. He shuts down the other team's first line. He plays physical. We saw it in the playoffs. Who did he bury, Tim, in the first round? Absolutely. Uh, Was it Eichel? Buried him. Might have been, yeah. He mashed somebody. That's what Matt Dumba does. And obviously the market wasn't there for some odd reason. I'm taking this guy all day, every day, over an Eric Carlson. That's just me. That's That's the type of team that I want. But good for Arizona. You know, they, they've quietly had themselves a good offseason. They are going to be really good. And this I, I said this last week before they signed Matt Dumba. They're not going to make the playoffs, don't get me wrong, but they've added pieces, and this is what a bad team should do. They've added pieces that do not mortgage the future. They're not taking on really bad contracts. The players that they have signed long-term are good players. The Clayton Kellers, the Nick Schmaltz, the Lawson Cruises, those are good players. The players they've added short-term contracts mm. they can flip them at the deadline and they're valuable the alex kerfoots the nick bukesteads the nat matt dumbas of the world those are the players at the deadline who you can flip for first and second rounder and it's a win-win-win so good for the arizona coyotes but bad for matt dumba and i kind of disagree with you a little bit of what a player looks for when he doesn't sign that long-term deal i think he either a signs for less money on a stanley cup contender for one year and tries to chase a cup or B does what Dumba does and signs a one-year deal with the Sharks or the Coyotes and just takes a boatload of money. But obviously the market wasn't there. I'm surprised he didn't take like a one-year $2 million deal with like the Avalanche or something, you know, and just chase the cup for one year. But obviously it wasn't there for him, to, which is surprising because he's a good player. I'm interested to see what happens next year at the deadline where he goes. And if, if it's another Klingberg thing where he's just going to go from team to team to team signing these one-year deals. Yeah, he's only 29 years old, which surprised me. It feels like he's been around for, for longer than that. So, yeah, we'll see. I do like this Arizona team, too. Like, you look at their roster, and they've added the pieces that you mentioned. But, like, even the young guys, Clayton Keller is still only 25 years old. Schmaltz is 27. They added Kerfoot. Lawson Kraus is really good. They got these young kids coming up. Like, not to mention yeah, they, Logan Cooley and there's other players. Bringing in Jason Zucker. They have a decent team. They're not going to be able to contend, but they're they're not going to get blown out. They'll be a fun team to watch. Don't you think there's a future here that there wasn't two years ago? Well, it's all relative. They have to take advantage of all the draft picks that they've accumulated. They have a million second rounders in the next three years, million third rounders. They need to start getting some output from all these draft picks. Hopefully Logan Cooley pans out. Hopefully they can get some players to stick around this team long-term. They seem to develop players and then dish them out because they're going to cost too much. So yeah, we'll see. All right, moving on, Tim. What are we doing? Yeah, there's some quick hits here. Jake Gensel is out to start the season. He's going to miss at least 12 weeks with an ankle surgery. He'll be reevaluated after that time. I wonder if that had any any impact on the the moves the Penguins made or not. Probably not, right? Uh no. I was I had some inside inside information. I was talking to his agent um, earlier before the surgery, and he said this was you know all planned out with, with uh, Kyle Dubas. He tried to rehab the ankle throughout the summer wasn't responding so they met last week and decided surgery is the best route he'll miss the first whatever month and a half of the season he'll be good to go but no this has nothing to do with the carlson acquisition at all okay the next one here this is an interesting one the oilers hired mcdavid's agent as the ceo of hockey operations apparently they were so impressed with him over the years of dealing with him that they wanted to give him the keys to the kingdom what does this mean i'm trying (laughs) what does it mean 
Well, guess. this is the LeBron thing with LA, right? So the LA Lakers went out and they hired LeBron's agent to be their GM, hoping that he would entice LeBron to come to LA. And he did. And he won him a championship. I think it was Palinka or whatever his name is. But I think this is them angling for McDavid to sign long-term. McDavid's contract's up in three years. They want to keep him. So bring in this guy to hopefully entice him to stay long-term. I think that's the deal. And he's the agent for Austin Matthews, I believe, as well. So I think at the end of the day, you're going to see McDavid draw inside old Matthews on the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> $40 million. Oof, crazy. Uh, David Krejci is rumored or reported to officially announce his retirement this week. So that's going to come through. I doubt he does what he did last year when he comes back midseason. He might still play in the Czech Republic, but that's coming. (laughs) Who cares? Um, Did you see the baseball fight over the weekend? Loved it. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, A glancing right knocks this guy out. I love how they squared up too. Good for baseball. They need more of that. Yeah, Tim Anderson wasn't ready for it. He, yeah, go watch it if you haven't seen it. Tim Anderson. He was the aggressor, too. I love that. He was playing bully ball, and he just gets knocked out. Good for him. It's embarrassing because he was so close to, like, missing, but he got him just right enough as he was being pulled away, and Anderson goes down. There's it's a video glancing of ones. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a video of him, like, they're walking him off the field, and he was his bell was rung. He had trouble. Oh, he's Bambi legs. No, he, he's going to be out for a while. Probably three seasons knowing baseball players. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, really cool. Last one here is just a trivia question. This is for you. It's for I you. saw this online and I love it. There's only one forward since 1990, since 1990 who was 6'7 or taller and has actually made it to the NHL. Who was it? Is that Eric Daze? Nope. Uh, then I don't know. No, no more guesses? No, tell me. Who is it? Bugard. Boogie. I should have known that. Dang it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Rest in peace, big boy. That's good. All right, anything else, Tim? Uh, no, no, we didn't hear about your weekend. Anything big happened there? I watched the kids all by myself. It was fun. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I really got to go to the washroom. So I, I we got to wrap this up. <laughs> okay. All, all right, right, everybody. Have a good week. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 